Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest edition of The Intersection, the InQtel podcast that sits at the intersection of national security and technology and talks about various topics of interest to those of you who understand the importance of how uh, uh, cutting-edge innovative technology is going to help our nation compete against China and Russia and other nation states in the next 20 or 30 years from a global uh, national security perspective. Our guest today is John Rice, uh, uh, and the topic today is going to be uh, diversity uh, within teams, how to build, uh, retain, and develop the most diverse teams possible to develop the most innovative and, and best uh, uh, companies possible to develop the technologies we just referenced. So, John, thank you and, uh, very much for coming, and we really appreciate you taking the time. Great. So, John, first off, uh, you are the founder and CEO of Management Leadership for Tomorrow, MLT. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, one, uh, where you got the idea for, for this organization and, and, and what you're trying to accomplish with it? Yeah. So maybe I'll take that in reverse order. You know, uh, sure. you know we're a national nonprofit that has like a, a two-pronged strategy to advance racial equity in this country. You know, the first prong focuses on individuals, you know, and we work to expand economic mobility and career trajectory for people of color. Uh, and we do that in a few ways. Uh, you know, we help low, moderate in, uh, income uh, Black, Hispanic, and Native American students go from, you know, college to those first jobs that really close the deal in economic mobility for them and their families. Uh, uh, and we also provide, you know, the the coaching and the, the the high performance playbook and the social capital that they need to advance uh, through key thresholds, whether it's grad school, mid career, all the way to you know the senior leadership positions where they can have real influence uh, in their organizations and communities. Uh, and we, and from a scope and scale standpoint, we work with about three thousand. Uh, folks a year, uh, 10,000 since we started the organization. Um, and, um, and we have about 400, you know, folks who are gotten to those senior leadership positions. So that's so, so really, th that's the individual side. And the second prong of our work, Steve, is to focus on employers, we work with about 200 uh, organizations to help them take a more rigorous approach to advancing racial equity and DEI. Uh, and, uh, and, and that includes, you know, sourcing, helping them source top talent, um, you know, we work about, I guess I mentioned 200 organizations uh, and help them on the recruiting side, undergrad, graduate school, mid-career, uh, lateral, and even senior executive. And then we also help organizations retain, advance the talent that they have uh, and, uh, and then provide, we have an advisory arm that works with uh, sen you know, senior executive teams to support uh, their, you know, to, to help them uh, on the how-to strategies and tactics of moving the needle toward critical mass of diverse talent. Uh, and so we've got sort of a comprehensive approach working on with both individuals and, uh, and, uh, and employers. And, and essentially our theory of change is, you know, that if you put more economic mobility in the hands of people of color, if you, if, uh, if you can help make the workplaces more equitable, you know, those two prongs uh, will, you know, will, will do a few things. They'll, they'll kind of increase the cost of racist behavior in our communities. They'll address some, the, some of those root cause disparities that we're all very focused on in terms of K-12 education, healthcare, uh, and ultimately, I think they'll change the narrative around race in this country. So, uh, and then going to the first question, so the part A that you mentioned around sort of my the, how we got started. You know, I, like you, I grew up in Washington D.C., uh, and both my parents were, uh, uh, you know, were in the public sector. My mom was in the education policy world. My father was an economist, and so I always knew, you know, that I wanted to do, you know, uh, to dedicate at least a meaningful portion of my career uh, to uh, to social impact. And it was just a matter of figuring out, you know, where that would be and when, uh, I was at, I was getting my MBA, you know, um, you know, many years ago, back in the early nineties. And, 
I remember looking around the classroom uh, and, and asking myself, why are there so few people of color experiencing what, you know, having what was for me a transformational experience? So I began, you know, I did an initial business plan looking at the sort of the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the challenges at different places in the pipeline, why they're, you know, that were, that were constraining, you know, broader diversity, both at the, the entry level jobs, uh, the graduate business schools, the, the major companies and so forth. And that's how I got my start. So I did the business plan. Uh, and then, you know, I spent uh, about 10 years working both uh, out in the corporate world for Disney and later for the National Basketball Association. And on sort of nights and weekends, I was piloting, I was programming, raising some money, had a couple people working uh, on this uh, full time. And, uh, and then sort of 10 years in, uh, I, um, I, I kind of, I got to a point where I felt I had enough experience and relationships to at least give it a full shot, you know, to make, to build a sustainable organization. So, uh, I was actually living out in the Bay area and sort of working out of my, you know, quote unquote garage and, uh, and, and, uh, and became a social entrepreneur on a full-time basis and, uh, and been building it since. That's terrific. And, you know, uh, 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 you know, to your, your points over your 20 years, I think, as I understand it, you've prepared nearly 10,000 uh, Black, Hispanic, and Native American professionals for fast-track jobs that uh, deliver economic mobility uh, for themselves and their families. Uh, to your point you made already, you work with a couple hundred leading employers uh, uh, to improve uh, uh, the diversification of their employee base and thus the quality of their em employee base. And, and, and it's really impressive what you've accomplished over those 20 years. But like a lot of the startup uh, listeners that we may have on this podcast, you know, you, you started from a garage. You started from a uh, 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 just you uh, working nights and weekends uh, uh, while you also kept your day job. And uh, 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 it's one of those you know, sort of overnight successes that took 10 years uh, uh, to get to where uh, uh, you could finally declare it a success, right? That's a very, I mean, we were, it's funny you mentioned that. I think we were talking about, you know, now we're meaningful scale, Steve. You know, we're over 200 people on the team. As I said, you know, kind of, any, you know, annual throughput of our, in, you know, fellows is, you know, about 3,000. You mentioned 200 companies. Uh, so we're a sizable organization now. And having real impact, I think one of the things we're you know, we're most excited about is some of the results that you mentioned, uh, even at the undergrad level, you know, placing ninety eight percent of our of our students in in entry level jobs that average you know eighty k starting salary. And these are people who come from homes that are uh, largely come from homes that are fifty you know Pell eligible homes that are under fifty k household income. So that's immediately game changing from an economic mobility standpoint. Uh, but but. So, uh, but the, the irony is we were just talking about like, hey, this has sort of been, you know, an overnight success, 20 years in the making, right? You know, it does take, just like any organization, it takes time uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, had a vision early on it, and, uh, uh, and, and you always have to make those sort of those pivots. Uh, and uh, as you get more insights about what the challenge, what the problems are and what the opportunities are. And I think uh, um, that, that what's, what I'm probably most excited about, you know, beyond the individual and institutional impact that we've had, uh, is the, what we've learned. You know, the insights from our work that I that we apply certainly to the work that we do. But I think um, you know we're, we're we're working even harder now to kind of share more of those insights about what works and what doesn't. Uh, what both for individuals and for employers as it relates to you know DEI, racial equity, and how do we you know in, in closing real, uh, racial wealth gaps. Uh, that's great. And, and before we move on and start talking about some of those insights and how they can help uh, the listeners on, on this podcast here, real quickly, if there's a young Black, Hispanic or Native American professional or 
you know, undergraduate student listening to this podcast, how do they get uh, connected with you guys if they want to uh, uh, enroll in any program? Probably the easiest place to, uh, to go is to our website, which is uh, mlt.org. And then just a little bit more on your background, since uh, I know you're a modest guy. Uh, in addition to MLT, you serve on the Board of Trustees at Yale University, and you're a director of uh, Walker & Dunlop, a New York Stock Exchange-traded real estate uh, finance company. You've all, you were also appointed by, uh, to President Obama's Advisory Commissions on Educational Excellence for African Americans and on Historically Black Colleges, and you serve on a number of other non-for-profit boards, so, you, so you're very busy. But um, moving on then to... Um, uh, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs that might be listening to this, this podcast here and are thinking to themselves, Hey, first off, every entrepreneur I talked to today, I asked them, what's the number one thing that keeps them up at night? They say, uh, 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 talent, uh, uh, recruitment and talent development. Like how do I get the best and brightest? It is a competitive market out there. Uh, uh, salaries are going through the roof. Uh, 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 uh stock option packages are, are going through the roof. And, you know, if you're not, uh, 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 constantly recruiting, if you're not constantly uh, uh, training and, and retaining uh, your employee base, your, your company will have no chance to be successful. And so one of the reasons why I was excited to get you on the, the podcast today is because I think one of the ways uh, entrepreneurs can do a better job uh, of, of sourcing, uh, uh, training, developing, and retaining talent is to think about a more diverse uh, 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 employee base than they might otherwise think initially, given who they are and what their, their backgrounds is. Uh, so if you had a, uh, I know you work uh, a lot with large companies, but you know, uh, if you had an entrepreneur or a startup company come and, and say, hey, uh, uh, how should I think about uh, 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 improving the diversity and the breadth and depth of talent that I, I, I try and attract to my company, what would be your first uh, couple of comments or thoughts for them? Yeah. Uh, well, Steve, I'd say there, there are a few things. I mean, and that, and, and maybe I'll start by, by articulating what I think one of the challenges is that, that we need to get beyond in order to, to, to begin to move the needle and tap into broader, uh, you know, broader talent bases. And the first one is, again, I'm, if you know this as well as anybody and, and certainly the, the, the venture folks and entrepreneurs that are listening to this understand it is that that so you know so much you know the, the, this world uh, really the, you know the the startup ecosystem is so driven by the kind of a a I would call it a a loop of trusted relationship networks right uh, and yeah. uh, and that are re, and those relationships are recycled from so much of of what success looks like in 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 your world is about you know. Uh, Tapping into your trusted networks, you know who you're building your 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 merging companies with, who you're investing in, and so forth, uh, and uh, and and so when it comes to 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 broadening, you know, kind of I'll call it disintermediating that loop that tends to recycle the same people that we know from our various uh, uh, relationships and various platforms, places that we've worked. What you have to do is is uh, you have to have a and essentially an engine, okay, that uh, that introduces, you know, that, that facilitates trusted relationships uh, you know, between the folks who are, you know, who are largely white folks who are, you know, who have been in these ecosystems for, you know, for since they uh, since the beginning, and people of color who've got fantastic talent and experience, 
Uh, and you need something in between to bring those folks together. And it's not, you know, what I often hear, uh, and when we work with uh, tech or tech companies, to where we do it, you know, a ton of work, uh, and and especially startups and and uh, and and venture uh, capital organizations in their portfolios, is that just you know just send me names, right? That's right. That's a, often a red flag. Send me names. Send me names. And uh, and what and sending folks names, even if those names and their resumes are fantastic, actually uh, uh, don't disintermediate. Um, uh, the you know that loop of you know of of who you trust uh, and so what you have to do is actually introduce people uh, often before the transaction before the need you know the the, the two three month hiring window is there job spec we got to you know it's time to hire and so forth and you got to actually uh, focus on uh, connecting people who who have the experience and and the interest with those who have the opportunities and do that in a way um, that. Uh, uh, makes it easier for them to build trust, you know, build those relationships. So when the opportunity comes, then you, they know you, you know them, uh, and they can actually compete with the folks that you have known for years. Uh, and there's, there's, so that's a little bit of the, the kind of the, uh, the challenge that needs to be uh, uh, addressed. And what you have, you know, and what, and what we see is that in too many cases, um, we, we just are not taking what I would call you know, uh, there, there, there are just too many excuses for not taking a more rigorous approach, you know, uh, and what, and I would use the analogy, what, what we're often doing um, in, in the startup ecosystem is saying, hey, we'd love to have more diverse talent. Okay. Uh, uh, but we, there, uh, but I don't see where it is there, you know, and we sort of expect, we, we it's, I, I use the analogy, like it's, we almost approach recruiting um, as if it's a, you know, elite college admissions where you put out the application or the job spec. Okay. Make that available. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. you hope the pipeline of talent to come just right by your door and apply. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And, um, and if it doesn't, then you assume the pipeline isn't there. And so what I you know, advise organizations to think about is to, instead of approaching it as an elite college admissions, think about the model we need to use uh, is more of one uh, uh, that's built around how, energy companies do business okay and when we think about energy companies you know uh and 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 specifically oil and gas we you know what do we do we hire really smart people uh scientists to, to figure help us figure out where are those deposits okay of, of of you know of oil crude or what you have you natural gas and then we once we figure out you know where we think they are we build the uh the you know the the infrastructure to go out and drill uh and find those deposits and then we Pull them out through a you know a pipeline, uh, send them to you know that uh, uh, that that crew to to uh, uh, to refineries where we turn it into finished product, right? And the idea, though, essentially, Steve, is that the talent is there. Okay, we can talk about the dimensions of the pipeline. The talent is there, but you do have to actually go out and take a rigorous approach to building those relationships, identifying you know um, where where it is, and. Uh, and and participate in the process of turning it into finished product. That's the sort of it's a little bit of a mindset shift that goes from just hey send me names. There's a pipeline to actually taking a uh, a proactive approach to in, you know, to to engaging the talent that's there and building those relationships so they can compete uh, with the folks that you know really well. 
Great. A couple of things to unpack, I think, from, from uh, that first answer there. So so first off, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, we meet a lot of founding teams and typically they all came from the same place. Either they came from the same company, they all worked at Google or Intel together, or they came from the same you know, research lab at Stanford or MIT, you know, or, or, or somewhere like that. Or uh, 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 in some cases, they came from the same, you know, uh, uh, place over in IIT in India or, you know, same university in Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's not just U.S. I think, you know, you, you see founding teams all over the world or founding teams coming from all over the world to the United States uh, uh, that, you know, sort of know each other. You know, uh, a lot of uh, people out of the uh, same universities up in Canada uh, as well there. And that's great because, you know, they know each other. There's a trust with each other that allows them to, to get started. But to your point, I see a lot of board members from a lot of different venture capital firms start talking to them early on to sort of say, hey, you know what? You can't just build your company from everybody you used to work with at, you know, this lab or this university or this this company. You know, uh, uh, it doesn't scale. You're not, your your quality will drop off uh, uh, pretty quickly. And you need to start recruiting, you know, and you need to start diversifying your sources of employees. And you need to start thinking about how your culture uh, 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 ingest you know new employees that don't come from the same places that you came from that don't use the same language the you, you, same acronyms you know that sort of stuff and how you you, you tra train them so it's a huge uh, uh challenge for most founding teams to think about and it's one of the first things that they start talking to their board members and their investors about early on so so i think you're i think that what you just said will will resonate with with those listeners so then let's go to your second point which is all right you know you know you can't just you know post a, a job spec and wait for those resumes to, to come in. You need to start getting to know people ahead of time to build that trust uh, uh, and build that awareness so that when you are ready to, to hire, uh, uh, you have some sort of relationship already. How do you do that? And how do you do that in a way that, uh, to your point, isn't just recruiting the, the same set of people? And by the way, it's not just you know white people hiring white people. I've invested in companies where the entire development team was Indian or the entire development team was Israeli, right? You know, and, and uh, 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 you know, we have that hard conversation, like you got to figure out how to, you know, diversify, integrate uh, 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 your, your, your teams going forward here. So, you know, how, how do you think about breaking out of your comfort zone as a founder or VP of engineering or VP of uh, uh, sales as you think about uh, 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 recruiting at scale and, and building those diverse relationships that will uh, uh, give you a much wider and, and broader set of uh, employee base to choose from? So let, let me start by by saying, uh, the first step is to actually uh, uh, understand in uh, you have to really understand and, and acknowledge that that your networks aren't as diverse as you might think they might be. So, so one of the things I'll first I'll ask is like, well, OK, uh, you know, how many people, how many underrepresented minorities were either at your wedding, one of your kids weddings? OK, you know, or one of your you know siblings weddings. OK. Uh, and. Uh, and if the answer is, you know, very few uh, um, or none, then that speaks to like the the amount of uh, the the breadth of your trusted relationships, long term relationships, and, and where they kind of cut across different uh, groups. So, you know, so first acknowledging that there needs to be a broadening of the network. Two, I think you have to, uh, uh, Steve, you, if we you have to actually uh, address some of the what I would call. Uh, the structural excuses, okay, that uh, that we see people in the venture and startup world uh, use when it comes to why you know it, this is hard to do, and so you know uh, one excuse is well, you know, in the venture world is sort of like, well, you know, size of our organization, well, you know, uh, and um, you know, we don't hire very many many people, 
okay, just a few uh, you know new folks a year, um, or uh, um, or it's uh, you know it, it's um, and this, uh, and we're not big enough to have dedicated resources to focus on building these relationships and you know uh, and engaging with broader talent pools uh, as you say ahead of the you know the the churn around you know the opportunities that come up in our organizations and in our uh, portfolio companies uh, and so it's you know we're small uh, uh, not many hires um, we're small or don't have the dedicated resources uh, uh, and you know to actually you know to to focus on this and uh, and then. Uh, you know, and, and I, I'd say that the, and that's what leads to just, you know, like the, the short term sort of a, a mentality of send me names. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I really don't have time to do anything else. So at the end of the day, the, our, our view is you have to actually make it easy for folks uh, uh, enough so that if, you know, if they do a few things well, okay, take a rigorous approach in the sense of, uh, uh, having you know one or two, if you're a partner in a venture firm or your senior you know senior person in a merging company startup, uh, two or three meetings uh, okay, every month with folks who are diverse who are outside of your networks, uh, and and uh, and we work with you know some of the leading venture firms on actually teeing these people up, okay, both to for you know for investor roles in their organizations as well as uh, for their portfolio organizations, and then just get on a, a cadence, okay, of meeting with two or three people every month that uh, ho- hopefully if it's, you know, ideally if it's facilitated by an organization that, that is connected to that talent, but that's the only way you're going to do it. Uh, you're not going to do it by, you know, figure it out by putting, uh, one, uh, asking one of your partners at your venture firm to spend 10% of their time to figure out how are we going to expand the the candidate pool for the roles that we have, or the the you know the the similar you know uh, the the, the uh, or the sim you know or asking one senior executive in a in in a, in a startup uh, that's you know that's really focused on trying to get to the next level in terms of uh, you know market penetration or raise the next round of capital um, to you know to figure this out in ten percent of the time. So you got to have adequate. You got to actually have to skinny down the task. Okay, uh, you have to have a, a a somebody own the the actual execution and the facilitation, and and have a bandwidth allocation that's realistic, same level that you would have, you know, put someone on any other important thread to advance the organization, uh, and and then you have to have some accountability to move beyond the you know the excuses, the sort of the short term excuses that allow people to say, oh, I just can't focus on this and make it a priority right now. And and only way around that is to make it a priority for at least one person in the organization. And and I'd argue that if uh, uh, an organization in today's environment isn't making recruiting a priority for at least one person and recruiting the best and the brightest and most diverse and uh, uh, set of employees, they're not going to be successful because it's just too hard to build teams. You know, in, in, in today's environment, without dedicating significant time and effort uh, 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 to recruiting, so. We've talked a little bit, I think, about sourcing, right? So once you've sourced a, a set of employees, what are some best practices to think about how to evaluate, you know, uh, how to interview, how to choose uh, 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 who to hire, to uh, uh, to remove bias, you know, in 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 and and to really evaluate uh, 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 correctly uh, uh, which people to hire. Yeah. So. You know, there, there, there's been a lot of conversation and research about sort of how to remove bias. You know, um, I, I want to focus on something that's a little bit different, which is, 
okay. uh, uh, which is essentially how do we make sure how do what steps can we take um, to enable the diverse candidate that we do not know well that we haven't you know had a you know, relationship with you know since school or the last company that we work with and so forth how do we put uh, create the the environment where that talent that person okay can compete uh, on close to equal footing with the person you know who is largely comes from the same you know the person that you do know well right yeah. uh, and and certainly you know um, the way we construct the, you know the interviewing process uh, you know I think important to have a, 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 in, in many cases important to have like panel interviews so you're not to kind of you know your one person's perspective actually can get balanced in terms of the feedback that gets back to the you know the folks who are sort of managing the process. Uh, but I think that the, the most important thing I'd say, Steve, is that uh, in order for the person that the, the highly talented person who you don't know to compete on equal footing, what you have to have is a network of trusted what I call validators. Okay, you have to be able to call somebody that you have worked with, that someone you know uh, that you've worked with, or that that you that you trust, whose judgment that you trust. Okay, who can essentially vouch for that person and say, uh, let me tell you, you know, I've worked with that person or someone very close to me has worked with that person and they're outstanding. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and if they have done three out of the four things that are critical to, you know, to being successful in that job in terms of previous experience, you don't need to worry about the fourth thing. Okay. Because this person is outstanding. And that, that, you know, that, that, you know, building a, a, a small network, of what I call kind of trusted validators, to me is probably the most important thing you can do so that when folks do come in, you don't miss folks that are outstanding just because they're competing against people that are also really good, but you have many more data points on. And I think you have to think about this as not just can we hire one person, but think about the next 10 hires. How do you create an approach that enables the the diverse person that we don't know as well, okay, uh, to win at least half the time, okay? Because if you're not winning at least half the time, then you're actually, you know, on the next 10 hires, if you're already struggling with diversity in current, your current numbers, then you're not actually moving the needle. And the only way to do that is actually not to try to create a different approach that, uh, you know, that folks are not essentially comfortable with, but try to, uh, you know, make this feel like and operate like the way you do hiring for everyone else, and the, and and but you have to actually introduce a few pieces that allow you to you know to uh, elevate the trust, okay, uh, and 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 maximize the sort of the data points so that people can compete with the folks that you know. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic advice for uh, both our entrepreneurs and our, and venture capitalists that listen to us. Uh, Final aspect of this: you you, you sourced a more diverse uh, employee base. You've evaluated a more diverse uh, employee base. How, how how do you create an environment in the workplace itself such that you can retain the best and the brightest and the most diverse uh, 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 people? And they come in because you know if you start with a more homogeneous employee base, it's always tough for the uh, 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 people that don't fit into that homogeneous uh, uh, profile to come in break in, build the same sort of relationships and feel that sense of connection to the company or the organization that you want your employee to feel 
so that they are more invested in, in what they're doing and they're more sticky in terms of uh, 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 staying with you. Yeah, um, really important issue. And, and the uh, I would say probably you know, the, the first thing that, or, that leaders need to do, okay, um, is to become very well informed about uh, how people of color Okay, when we are uh, the only one in an organization or one of very few before there is critical mass, okay, in the organization, you know, um, how we experience the organization in a way that's very different from our white peers, uh, even if we went to the same school, Steve, or even if we yeah. worked at the same large tech company before we joined you know, the, the current organization. Uh, and and uh, um, our smartest, uh, most successful uh, leaders are actually missing that people of color experience the organization differently, uh, and um, when they are one of a few. Okay, and and I tr I describe that saying that when you look like me, and when you're one of one and one of a few, you literally will spend thirty percent of your brain energy, of your bandwidth, focusing, you know, distracted by questions uh, that you're twirling around in your head, uh, such as. Uh, uh, do I measure up? How are people perceiving me? If I make a mistake, does it reflect on all the people of color around you? You know, these questions, whether or not they're true, they actually is, is irrelevant. Uh, but if you're spending 30% of your time distracted by, you know, uh, those questions, as opposed to focusing on your, you know, the content of your job, and you're competing against your peers who are spending zero to 5% of their, of their mental bandwidth distracted by those, uh, those questions, then it's 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 kind of it's harder to compete. You're competing at a disadvantage, right? And that can lead to you know uh, that when you're when you're thinking about those questions, that what does that do? Um, it actually makes it harder for you to take risk, okay, on a day to day basis. Uh, it makes it harder for you to bounce back when you have setbacks. And when you're in your world, it's all about risk taking and bouncing back for set, bouncing back from setbacks. But it's also uh, harder to when someone reaches out to give you constructive feedback. Uh, uh, and uh, you, you're not sure where it's coming from. Is it, is it, is it to lift you up or is it to, is it to bring you down? Um, and, and so, um, so we have to understand that this is what people of color are going through, or anybody is going through. You can be a white woman, okay, and when you're one of one, you, this is what's happening, okay. Uh, but uh, and uh, and if you understand what's un, you know what that that the 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 experience, okay, if you're well informed about that, then the 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 steps that you take are going to be much more tied and more proximate, okay, to addressing those, you know, the underlying drivers. So too often we, we make assumptions that everyone, if you're here and you're, if you're, if you're, if you are, uh, um, if you are strong enough and competent enough to get hired, then we all experience the same, the organization the same way, fundamentally, you know, false. And that leads to interventions and steps that, that actually, make it harder, that don't address the root causes and make it harder to move the needle and create that kind of sticky experience. So the most important thing to do at, at the individual level, um, uh, it, the, the manager, the leader, and engaging with your diverse talent directly is to, uh, is to actually ask the kind of questions that enable you okay, to get proximate to how somebody is experiencing the organization uh, and coming out of a meeting. So you know, how did that go for you? Okay, or you know, you're, you've been there for you know two weeks or thirty days. Okay, you know what? Uh, what are the things that you're experiencing? What are the things that are that that the questions that you have about 
uh, certain people and how, you know, how you're perceived or, or how you think you're doing. The, 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 it's so much more important for managers to lean in and, and engage and understand that person's background, where they come from, the things that actually will influence and shape how they engage in the workplace and with other people. Uh, and, and the challenge there, Steve, is that all the incentives in today's world are for managers to lean back and take less risk, right? Uh, yeah. that, you know, we may have a problem with HR. You may be, you know, misinterpreted if you say the wrong thing. We don't feel confident. I know uh, we, we want to lean in, but we don't want to offend anybody. Uh, and so the, 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 the tension here is the way to create the sticky workplace is to communicate more, to, to dig in and get proximate to how our diverse employees um, and team members are experiencing the organization differently and take actions that are, you know, that relate to those uh, challenges and those differences. Uh, and the only way you figure them out is to engage with them and ask the questions and put yourself out there a little bit. And so what we need to do a little bit is, is, to, you know, is a little bit of kind of what I call proximity training. Okay. Help people, managers, you know, uh, break through and get confident in how to engage in, 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 in those conversations. Uh, and that's really the, you know, the, I, I use the, 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 the perspective, like the diversity training and unconscious bias stuff that, you know, has kind of permeated organizations for the last several years. That's great. But that focuses on what's going through the heads of most cases, the white male, right. And making sure that, the things that the, the uh, that are going through his head, you know, are um, are um, are are better connected to the, you know the, the the broadening diversity in our organizations. And what we need to evolve from is focusing on what's going through the head of the white male leader, and and actually transitioning from that to helping the white male leader understand what's going through the head of the diverse employee, right? And how that's different from them. And then helping them get comfortable, giving them the tools to be confident leaning in more. That's the most important thing because what we're, we're in a place right now where you're sort of, there's a, there are essentially two worlds. There's the world in, inside the organization that the, that the majority feels is the culture. And then there's the experience of the folks who are, you know, one of a few, and that's often very different, but it's not being addressed because there's a different narrative among leadership. And the only way to connect the two is just to have the candid conversations, but we got to make it easier for folks to have those candid conversations uh, uh, in a place where they don't feel that they're going to get in trouble. Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. And I think that's a great uh, place for us to wrap up this, this conversation. Uh, uh, John, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us here today. Uh, uh, as, as you said at the beginning, if people want to find out more about your organization and how it can help, uh, uh, it's mlt.org, I believe, is, is the, the website. Uh, you know, I know at Inkytel, we're making a concerted effort to focus on our DEI initiatives through new recruiting tactics to uh, uh, new uh, ways of working with our employees and, and retention and creating the culture that they want to stick at. And everything you said today really resonates with me, and I can assure it resonates with leaders of all sorts of different organizations that listen to our uh, podcast today. So thanks for joining us here at The Intersection A. I'm Steve Bauscher. This podcast was produced by HeartCast Media.